Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I've got Haynes Hendrickson with Turnkey Intelligence. And I want to start off by saying I'm really excited to have Haynes on today. Um, the, the power of a network, and you never know who knows who, and, and the power of you know sports being such a small world is really exemplified in this episode today. I happened to somehow get connected to... Uh, someone who works for Haynes uh, via my dad meeting her on the airplane and then us connecting after that, having multiple conversations, uh, actually connecting very well and enjoying the conversations and then um, you know having a good enough relationship for her to say, hey, you should talk to my boss. And so I got introduced to Haynes and we had a great conversation and I brought up the podcast to Haynes. He goes, oh, I'd love to be on it. So here we are. Uh, really excited to have you on, but just to show that, you know, you don't have to know people for 15 years to, uh, uh, to, to you know, learn more or, or get to know other people in the industry. Sometimes you meet them through other people meeting people on the plane. Yeah, that fits the, uh, the epitome <laughs> of our friendly Australian uh, co-worker, um, Joanna. So your description of her meeting your father on a plane is spot on. <laughs> awesome. Well, Haynes, give us a little insight to what you do uh, with Turnkey Intelligence, how you got to where you are, uh, a Vermont University grad, is that correct? Correct, yes. So, yeah, I'm the general manager of Turnkey Intelligence, which is uh, basically means I oversee the day-to-day business of Turnkey Intelligence, and I guess I'm more tasked with um, business development, partner development, and, and again, just overseeing the overall operations of the company. So I, um, you know, my, my career in sports has been nothing but a bunch of uh, being in the right place at the right time. And, and I, I, I'm sure I did a little bit of hard work in, the, in between there. But um, I have always worked in the sports business. And um, I really just lucked into it out of the University of Vermont. You know, it wasn't known for having any kind of sport management program. Um, however, I will say the highlight class that I did take, and I mean this, mean this with all sincerity, it was um, ski resort management. So it was the second, <laughs> sem- second semester of my senior year. Like I had, you know, met all my requirements and I got to really choose some electives, but I wish I could go back and remember the actual professor of the class, um, but he had a different person come in and speak every class, a different person from a niche of the ski industry. So it was like the guy that was in head of operations, the person head of the ski school, the person who drove the grooming uh, snowcats at night. Um, and it was just fascinating to me. It just opened my eyes. Um, at the same time, um, I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and my father had a friend who was the uh, head of marketing at the Phillies, and I was able to get a, an internship that summer after I graduated at the Philadelphia Phillies. So, um, you know, I, I, I did that for a summer. I was working at beautiful Veterans Stadium in 1995, the summer of 1995, um, and I was able to secure... What they had at the time was a year-long internship, um, so it was basically an October to October full-year position, not full-time. Um, but the highlight of that was that the Phillies were hosting the 1996 All-Star Game in Philadelphia. So um, I was working in the ticket office and 
really looking back on it, got to see, you know, what makes up a primary source of revenue within an organization, which is ticket sales, and also just everything that is bundled together in a packaging and, and from marketing standpoint to sell tickets. So I ended up spending about five years, uh, six years at the Philadelphia Phillies. And I was able to follow that gentleman that originally hired me, Dennis Mannion, out to uh, Denver, Colorado, for where they were opening up the Pepsi Center in Denver and work for the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. And at first I was out there probably for the first year working in game entertainment, you know, walking the anthem singer out, making sure the t-shirts were thrown in the right section. So, you know, exciting stuff, a lot of evening hours, but, uh, you know, I definitely felt the knit, the need or the itch to, you know, get something a little bit more involved in the business side of things. Um, and coincidentally at that time, um, the Pepsi Center as part of their capital infrastructure and in building the Pepsi Center had, had built into the concourses a card swipe system that was to be built off of the back end of a loyalty program. And really a guy that I worked with at that time, Paul Andrews was head of ticket sales. And he kind of said like, who wants to run this loyalty program? And I said, sure, like, I'd love to not be working, uh, you know, with a game entertainment staff and the <laughs> national anthem singer, halftime entertainment. So, um, so stepping into that role and knowing nothing about creating a database or, or loyalty program, I again was very, very lucky at that same time, the NBA league office had developed their Teambo group. Um, led by Bernie Mullen and some other people that have been on your podcast. Um, and they were really pushing teams to develop databases. And I was able to lean on a lot of resources at the NBA Teambo group to learn how to do this. Um, you know, and they would push hard on a partner like Ticketmaster or hard on a partner at that time, um, you know, some different CRM vendors to help these teams have adequate resources and be able to um, use database marketing to their advantage. Um, the fortunate thing with, at that time was Cronky Sports and Entertainment was what I was learning through the resources of the Nuggets helped us out on the Avalanche side. Um, at that time, the Avalanche were a perennial powerhouse and the Nuggets were not very strong. So the need to market the Nuggets was great. The need to market the Avalanche for the purpose of season tickets was not so great. So um, it definitely had the yin and the yang there and the ability to lean on the resources provided by the NBA to help us drive our business and help me personally learn how to get smarter with database marketing, email marketing, and what would evolve to become the establishment of CRM systems. Um, it also was, uh, as, as Kroenke started acquiring more sports assets and venues, such as indoor lacrosse, arena football, Major League Soccer, a couple of concert venues, you really started to see how you could utilize this database to cross-sell and, and analyze behaviors of your fan base um, as you started to collect more information about these individuals as they came through the building. So again, if you think back to, you know, them just asking, uh, Paul Andrews asking me, 
who wants to manage this card swipe system? You know, I was kind of lucky because I had no idea really what I was stepping into. Um, market research kind of played a role in, in that, that, that uh, job as well, where we were doing some simple demographic surveys, asking people about their experience at, at, a, at the arena or at the stadium. And at that time I had, um, through Major League Soccer's relationship, um, been working on some projects with Turnkey Sports and Entertainment. Um, and that's how I got introduced to Turnkey. Um, they were a very small company, um, but had some, at that time, proprietary technology that made it easy to, with a handheld device, was not really all that pre prevalent at that time, um, but go out into a concourse, at a game, at a fan rally, and ask people questions and have that data synced to a reporting system so that you could mine through and filter the results and, and gather some insights. So that established my relationship with Turnkey and, uh, and a few years later, Turnkey had relocated their offices to an area near which I grew up uh, outside of Philadelphia. And uh, that was my, my ability to relocate back to the East Coast and join turnkey intelligence um that was a short almost almost 14 years ago um in 2005 so wow. so yeah i was brought on to really build out the client base with with strong relationships at the nba the nhl major league baseball um and and build out the the client base for turnkey sports and entertainment from a research perspective so for, for those who don't know too much about Turnkey Intelligence, Turnkey Sports and Entertainment, give us a quick rundown if, if uh, you know, maybe they're, someone's trying to get into the industry or maybe someone's in the industry, but they don't know about the search firms or um, executive search, et cetera. Well, what, would, what would Turnkey do for them as, uh, as an individual or potentially as a client, um, you know, in an organization? Sure. I think in the, in the industry, a lot of people know the name Turnkey. Um, it, we certainly have a, a solid brand. For the 14 years that I've been with Turnkey Intelligence, um, 13 of those years, we were under the structure of Turnkey Sports and Entertainment, which was Turnkey Intelligence and Turnkey Search, an executive recruiting and a headhunting firm. I always worked on the Turnkey Intelligence side of the business, leading that business, but you know, we were a relatively small company and Turnkey Search was in the in the position of getting hired to go find the best candidates for president of a team, CFO of a team, VP of marketing partnerships, CMO, whatever it might be. So in the small industry of sports, our clients, it was a very close network of our clients and people that we worked with on the executive recruiting side of the business. And, uh, and while they the businesses did not really fit together. We, we played very kindly within the same network and, and it helped grow our brand name. Everybody wants to know a recruiter, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it often helped open doors. And then when the recruiting firm was trying to fill positions, we had firsthand knowledge of working with this female or this gentleman and get to understand really how aggressive and sophisticated they are. Um, September 1st of last year, Turnkey Intelligence was acquired by a company called the Market Cast Group. Uh, 
Um, and that kind of brings us to what we call turnkey 2.0. Um, but we uh, are now uh, part of MarketCast Group and, and no longer a, a part of Turnkey Sports and Entertainment, um, which still has some confusion in the marketplace. There's two turnkey companies, but we still do the same thing, but on a much more amplified level um, under the MarketCast Group umbrella, which is a collection, a, a small collection of four business units that serve different areas of market research and consumer insights. Um, deep capabilities within the, the movie and theatrical space, um, doing a lot of work in video games, TV, OTT streaming, lifestyle brands. And then we were the, the piece that kind of gave them a solid footprint in the sports industry. Um, but now under this group, you know, our world is a lot bigger doing global studies and having global resources has been just a big change in the last 11 months. No, it's exciting. And, and to see kind of where you guys will go will be really interesting and, and what uh, your capabilities will be. But when you look at, at what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, I think a lot of people will ask, you know, what's, what's your average day like? And, and usually the response in sports is there's no days that's the same, right? But uh, take us through maybe a typical week, month. Um, what do you enjoy most about what you do specifically? Well, I guess – Collectively, I would say, and, and I, I, I just feel fortunate and blessed to be in this in this space, but we are working to help clients use this, this fun platform of sports to connect with their consumers. I always tell people in our office, like, thank God we're not doing market research on the flavors of toothpaste or <laughs> preference of tires. Like, we're talking to them about their passions and people want to talk to us about that. And there's a great ability to monetize that um, from, from the, the properties and the brands that, that, are, that are using these platforms to, to grow their business. So our days look like uh, we're structured in which we have a basically a sales arm and we have a, a very robust research department, the, the analysts and the researchers and the data science team. Our sales department, which is where I spend most of my time, is split up in really focusing their efforts on properties and brands. Um, our property business is really our legacy, where we work with anywhere from about 100 to 150 different properties throughout the course of the year. And we're, we're trying to pull out from them business questions or business problems and devising very custom methodologies to answer those. So it may be as simple as we don't know what the value of our corporate partnerships should be. Are we overselling them, overstating their value or understating their value? We don't know how to show these partners that we are delivering on a return for them when, when we come up for renewal. It could be more ticketing focused, like you know, dynamic pricing or what are the different price, uh, ticket packages that we should be offering that are most attractive to different segments of the consumer base in the market. Mm -hmm. um, we could be, we do a lot, probably more so than anybody else of just around the live event experience. What is it that drives people to say that was an amazing experience? Is it, is it parking? Is it the game entertainment? Is it the video boards? Is it the sound? It's all of those things, but where can a property really invest efforts in order to make improvements and realize a 
a greater return than in other areas that won't really drive that. So that's kind of our focus day in, day out on properties of, you know, we're just on the phone talking to them and trying to pull out their needs. And while no day is the same, we do have seasonalities. Like we do mm-hmm. know at certain times of the year, baseball teams will be thinking about their their research needs. There are other times of the year when they might not be thinking about it. So there is some seasonality to it. Sure. When we talk with brands, um, and this is a, a blossoming area for us that we've really created over the last three to four years, we are really digging deep with them to understand the impact of those partnerships. Um, and this is where I see the, the industry evolving very quickly. Everybody is used to and expects to establish a currency. Like I paid this much for this partnership. What, what did I quote unquote get out of it? And so valuations are very common. Um, you'll see a wide range of services that show you know, earned media value. Your logo appeared on screen. Therefore, you got this much value out of it. And that is, that is a good metric because it, it's consistent. Everybody knows the value of a dollar. Um, but there's a lot of debate on, you know, well, because my logo was there, was it really worth that much? So there's a place for that. It's kind of like table stakes. You got to have that. But I see these, these brands out there really getting sophisticated and wanting to understand details about the levels of engagement and how those levels of engagement are fitting into their sales funnel. So if you're an automaker, like you buy into this partnership to create awareness and then, and then drive awareness down to consideration and then drive consideration down to loyalty. And that's your sales funnel. Um, but that all is stimulated off of using that platform of the sports program to get them to consider it. Then over amplify the uh, the consideration and then build because of the halo effect of the partnership with the property, build out the loyalty piece. So, you know, we're working with brands to understand what impact they're getting out of these partnerships. And um, maybe when they have multiple partnerships, why is one partnership working really well and another not? Is it the activations? Is it the assets? Um, so it's, it's much more granular. Um, the projects are much larger and much more in depth, um, but they, they seem to be um, just more driving their everyday business, the importance of their decisions um, based on research and insights. Sure. Well, and, and as more and more companies and brands are looking for the data side of things to either validify their decisions or, you know, help them make better um, futuristic moves, right? Uh, strategically, what's maybe one thing that is starting to develop from a data side of things that, you know, not only on the player side and the business side from an analytics perspective, you can have all the data you want, but if it's not understood and if it's not perceived and if it doesn't have a meaning, right, it doesn't do you any good. And so how do you see the data being implemented, especially with all these new um, either metrics or it may not even be new, but just putting things in a different perspective for people to understand the value, that's got to be new as well, right? There's got to be some kind of learning curve uh, with that. Yeah. So 
like in most businesses, you'll see a wide scale of capabilities and expertise. So um, as a, I'll, I'll speak to it from the property standpoint. I think sports teams should see themselves as agencies. We are an agency. We have a lot of assets. Of course, we have a team, but we have a community relations initiative. We have shoulder programming on our, on our sister networks. Um, we have podcasts. We have a mascot. We have youth camps. They've got a, a wide range of initiatives and assets. And they are saying to all of these different partners, we hear you. Like, this is what your objective is. Now, here's a custom uh, initiative, custom package that will help deliver on your objectives. Um, so teams, a, a lot of teams that have moved to that, that thought process um, and it's evolving fairly quickly, but there are a lot of teams that are still, they're just trying to sell the rate card. You know, mm -hmm. here's all our inventory. This is what we have to sell. You'll see a lot more teams that are investing in people to activate these sponsorships. Um, because the, the, the brands want to know, uh, you know, of course I want to get to this segment of your fan base or these three segments of your fan base. And, but my messaging might be different. So you have to be nimble and you have to be able to, um, be custom to that brand's initiatives. Um, so that's where I see it going, but you still have, there are still a lot of brands that are, they're buying, you know, in a non-traditional way, like they're still buying to have that general association with the Philadelphia Eagles. They might mm -hmm. not be very sophisticated in how they're activating it. This is where traditional uh, activation agencies still have a great opportunity to help these people, you know, leverage these assets and, and drive their sports marketing dollars. Mm -hmm. um, I see this a lot in healthcare. Um, oh, it's, it's very competitive space where healthcare is partnering with every team has a healthcare sponsor, but these are traditional uh, hospital marketing departments that are managing these partnerships. And I don't think as a blanket statement, they really know how to leverage these assets. Um, so, you know, the, just the, the sophistication of the messaging and the granularity of the, the customer segments that they are looking to reach through these sports platforms is only going to increase. So I think sports teams have to really be prepared to act as if we are a full service agency. Tell us your objectives. We're not even going to tell you what we have available. Tell us your objectives and I am going to develop a platform for you. No, absolutely. And, you know, as you, as I hear you talk about it, obviously your experience at, uh, um, you know, within Denver and, and the different years you had at the Phillies, like all that background probably helps you understand a little bit more of the holistic approach to the organization and, and the sponsors and what you can and can't do. Um, maybe give a little insight as to how you have seen, you know, your, your experience at the beginning of your career help you along the way as you've gone and where you see um, that, it, that, same experience, um, be able to help others in the industry as they go along and, and as they maybe switch, um, you know, into different parts of the industry as they go along their career. Sure. So when I was at the Phillies, I felt like, first of all, it's a phenomenal organization. Like 
they may get a lot of uh, uh, rubs about just how loyal they are to people, but some of the best people I've ever met professionally and personally are still employed at the Phillies. Um, and, you know, they're just uh, a very, very quality organization that takes care of their family. So I, I got exposed to a lot and I learned a lot, I think, about just the blocking and tackling of running a sports organization. It was ticket sales, sponsorship dollars, and media deals were, you know, the three primary components. Um, so um, I wouldn't say it was a aggressive, hard driving, let's, let's shake the tree uh, type atmosphere. It was, let's take care of our customers. Let's put a, you know, a good experience out there and, uh, and make it enjoyable to come a fan friendly event. When I went to Denver, I really got exposed to, all right, now we're an entertainment company and we got, you know, this basketball team doing this initiative over here. Then we got an MLS team and we've got a concert venue. So you really got to, I mean, you didn't feel at times like you were at a, a sports property. You were an entertainment company that had a lot of resources and you were trying to leverage them all um, to maximize your business. Um, with analytics, the key to analytics and the reason why everybody invests so heavily in it is to maximize the upside of things and to minimize the downside of things. So when the nuggets were not good, we were trying to invest heavily in database marketing and research and analytics to, so they won 17 or 25 games, like how are we cushioning that fall? But when the Avalanche were winning, how do we maximize the revenue opportunities on the upside? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, and then it, it has only grown, especially in the last 11 months under the market cast group to really understand global entertainment, whether that's movies or video games or OTT networks or sports, um, how these brands are leveraging all of these assets and how, you know, the release of a James Bond movie is competing with, uh, with the NBA season. Um, and it's competing with mindshare and attention and share of wallet. So, not only how do these properties and, and, and platforms maximize against that competition, but how do, how do they make themselves attractive to outside investments uh, such as sponsors? Um, now that I've, you know, I see everything just getting so amplified to be entertainment driven. Um, you know, when I talk to people at colleges or universities and or just somebody that's looking for some advice in the industry, and what I used to tell them is, yeah, you should go work for the Phillies because it's a big name, but there are so many opportunities outside of working for just the, the 32 NFL teams or the 30 NBA teams, et cetera. Um, there are so many agencies. There are so many brands that are looking to invest into entertainment options that you can get exposed. May, you could argue you could get ex more exposed to the world of entertainment and, uh, and, and probably make a bigger impact when you are working in all of these periphery companies. So I just stress to people to really go broad um, and think about what you do in your own, your own free time and where you invest your time and your money, like go after that stuff. Because if you have a passion for it, you're going to make a big difference. Absolutely. And, and, you know, an, an industry, such on the data and analytics side is only growing more and more. And 
Um, I guess the one thing to kind of, as we start to wrap up the episode, the one thing to kind of tackle would be what's it like to go from all the time game days to not really having game days anymore. And for those who are, are thinking about transitioning into a role where there maybe isn't a game day per se atmosphere, um, what's the biggest difference? You know, a lot of people might think that they're not exactly working in sports or exactly working in entertainment because there's no game day. Um, but, but what would you say with, with that in mind? Well, I will say a couple of pros and cons to it. First of all, if you're a, if I'm going to say in general, if you came up in a team environment, if you played sports, like there's nothing like the highs of a win and the lows of a loss. So when, when you are working 81 nights a year, you know, you're wearing it on your sleeve. The office is happy when there's a stretch of five wins together and the office is not happy when, you know, the team is not doing so well. (laughs) So I was fortunate to, um, in 2001 be working for the avalanche when they won the Stanley cup. And like, that is just like, I even get chills just thinking about it right now. That was just such a special moment. Um, and you, you know, so that's like what you live for. That being said, I think in sports, there is so much kind of wasted time in the fact that you are being at all of these events. Um, the fact that you are, you know, there from nine o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, because there's a game day, there is a lot of time spent just because you have to be there and, and, and you have to. Um, I would definitely say now in my role in my time at Turnkey Sports Entertainment and, and now just Turnkey Intelligence, I, I definitely work less quantity of hours. I, I get to spend time with my family. It's fantastic. I don't work 81 games a year, but I work way harder, I think, in a 12-month period. Like, my days are intense. I work in the evening to get caught up, but I, I can work from 9 o'clock to 10.30, but I didn't have to sit in the office from, you know, 5 o'clock to 10.30 because there was a game coming up. Um, so that's my, that's, that's what, you know, worked for me. Um, there was definitely, uh, it's a burn, especially in major league baseball. When I worked at the Pepsi center, it was multiple teams. So you had the same quantification of games. Um, so, you know, I think as you get older and you, you have a family, I, I'm always impressed at some people that, uh, still, you know, pull out 80 to a hundred plus events a year um, and still pull that off. Um, but I, again, I, I feel like there's, for me, I'm, I'm working much harder now to grow a business at Turnkey Intelligence, um, but just not the, the, the broad quantification of hours. Sure. No, that's awesome. Appreciate the insight. And, and uh, any last, any last words based on your experiences and kind of, where you see uh, the business going as we, as we wrap up the episode? Um, you know, it is, it will sound very cliche, but the sports and even the broader entertainment industry, like they are small industries. I'm always amazed at in my 20 some years in the industry, how I will come across in a business opportunity, somebody that I worked with 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And you just, you have to, you just have to be a, an outgoing person. Like if you're not, 
if you're not comfortable just being dropped in a room and kind of making friends, then, you know, you're, I don't, I'm not going to say you're not going to be successful, but you're not going to maximize your opportunities. Um, it's, uh, again, a really small network, but people that I worked with in baseball that are now, you know, in the film business or, or, you know, are working at a sponsor. Um, it's just, I'm always amazed at, people that I still engage with and I'm like, man, I haven't talked to you in 10 years and you can just keep, <laughs> you can just keep it going. So I, I find that a lot too, that, you know, when I go out and speak to people at schools and they'll say, I remember you came to my, my grad class at Penn or at Ohio university or UMass. Um, and now I'm the director of marketing here or there. So I just think you, you will help yourself if you can establish that comfort level of just, being a good person and, and having something bright to say and just being somebody that somebody wants to carry a conversation with. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we, we appreciate your time and, and uh, loved having you on the episode um, and on the podcast and, you know, definitely look forward to having you on again. Maybe we'll have uh, your colleague Joanne on at some point. That'd be great. Um, kind of come, we can complete the the full circle of the network, uh, which has grown uh, in the last couple of months, and um, would really uh, look forward to, to staying in touch and, and seeing where the business grows as you uh, as you continue to develop. You know, turnkey intelligence underneath MarketCast, and uh, see where it all goes. Thank you, Jake. Congratulations on the podcast, and if we can ever do anything to help you, please let us know. Thank you.